Hey Curiosos, Joe here. Just wanted to let you know that we've become a partner with Amazon.com. We've put up an affiliate link on our homepage to help you with all your online shopping needs. So if it's a tasty beverage, a crazy movie, an interesting book, go through our link. It doesn't cost you anything else, but we here at Curioso do receive a small percentage of the sale, which in turn helps support this show. So again, thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. And on to the show. For Christmas, my wife bought me my favorite cologne, Gevrancher, or as I like to call it, Gravinci, because I'm not a fancy man. When she got it for me, I would wear it around and people would say, Chris, you smell great. What are you wearing? And I would say, well, I'm wearing clothes. And they would say, no, what cologne are you wearing? And I never liked that. So I decided to have a different word. I would tell people I am scented with Gevrancher. And I think everyone should use the word scented. I am scented with this cologne. And if you feel strongly that the language needs to change, then you should tell people about it and express it. Curioso. A Curioso is someone who inquires in esoteric matters, a collector of knowledge. Curioso Welcome to the Curioso Podcast. I'm Christopher Scarborough. And I'm Joe Taylor. And Joe, what are we going to be talking about? Chris, exclamation point. What's today's topic? Interrobang. <laughs> today's topic is punctuation. Punctuation. Punctuation? Full stop. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... <laughs> For you English people out there. <laughs> So, yeah, that's what we uh, wanted to discuss today was punctuation. And why? Well, because there's, <laughs> Question so, mark. <laughs> there's so many bizarre and strange things having to do with punctuation. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know, you can follow us on Twitter at Curioso Podcast. At the rate of. <laughs> <laughs> you can also email us feedback at thecurioso.com. Mm-hmm. Well, what is that at symbol? It means at the rate of. It, it was an old uh, accounting uh, symbol. It was a shorthand for at the rate of. So in 1971, a guy named Ray Tomlinson was looking down at a teletype, which is basically the forerunner to the computer. Yeah. And he decided to use the at symbol for basically sending emails. And that's why it is such a popular thing today in our society, why we have that for Twitter. I just think that that's amazing, and that's why I decided to talk about punctuation. Really? Yeah. Snark, Mark. (laughs) Are you going to do this to the entire podcast? I think so. Oh, geez. Well, (laughs) it's a very visual thing. It really is. is. It is. Like trying to explain to somebody, uh, especially some of the, the more uncommon older mm-hmm. uh, uses of punctuation. Um, it's a very visual thing. 
So hopefully we can list a couple of these on, on the, the page. They'll definitely be on the show notes. But yeah, I mean, they're interesting, to say the least. Well, one thing also about the ad symbol before we get away from it. In French, it is called la petite escargot. <laughs> the little snail? The little snail, yeah. It looks <laughs> like, I just thought that was so cute. All right, so the beginnings of punctuation uh, start pretty much around, well, English punctuation, our, our system, starts around with uh, the Greeks and the Romans. The Mayans and the Chinese were, were using similar things, similar little, uh, you know, points or dots or something in between, like, hieroglyphs or caricatures or, or whatever symbols they were using to basically break up a statement. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Romans and the Greeks were doing this at the same time. Because uh, you had big, long, boisterous speeches by noblemen and people like that of, of court when their statements were written down, it was basically to help the speaker follow a certain path. Mm-hmm. And it indicated, you know, how long this this statement was, where to stop, where to pause, where to take a breath. And the pauses eventually turned into the marks that, that we now know. Mm-hmm. The longest section was called a period, or full stop if you're English. Mm-hmm. It was defined by Aristotle as a portion of a speech that has a beginning and an end. Then the shortest being the comma, literally meaning that which is cut off, and midway between the two was the colon, a limb or a clause. Those three marked spaces and pauses were sometimes graded in sort of a geometric progression with sort of a a musical sense. It was, um, they were called beats. Mm-hmm. And they're still used for a lot of speeches nowadays and a lot of songs. So one beat was a comma, two beats for a colon, and four for a period. Okay. It was very, very rhythmic. Chinese and Japanese language is very rhythmic. If, yes. you, if you listen to it, it kind of follows that sort of like one and two and three and four. And seeing the, the Romans and, and the Greeks kind of take that sense of a paragraph is this much, that's when you have your, that's your space, your full stop, or mm-hmm. in between one single sentence, you had sort of a rhythm to follow. So it would give, you know, give their speeches or their statements or something a little more clarity, a little more impact. Well, I thought that was neat. You were talking about how you would start off a paragraph, and a lot of the times you would start off a paragraph, you would start it off with something called a pilcrow. Mm-hmm. And a pilcrow is basically, it looks like a pea, but backwards, but nice and fat with the, the stem is nice and fat. Right. And basically that is where you would start a paragraph. Mm-hmm. Eventually that started going away because they didn't want to write them anymore. Yeah, you see a lot of those in, in like old Bibles and stuff. Yes, yeah. old texts and things like that. And once that pilcrow went away, that is the reason why you have that ghost at the beginning of a paragraph. The tab? Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. the tab, the little indentation. Yeah. And that is why we have that now today. And they also used a few other things, too, like the little um, heart leaf thing. Mm-hmm. A hedera? Mm-hmm. A hedera. They used those. Um, a couple different things were used in that space to sort of like, Amplify. This is the beginning of my statement. <laughs> That's 
That's, that's exactly how I start off all my statements. This is the beginning of my statement. Now I shall start, and then <laughs> exactly. I yeah, and then I then I move on from there. Full stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, one of the my favorite is the asterisk. Okay. It's not the asterix. It's the asterisk. And it's not the asterism. No, it's not the asterism. And you could talk about that in just a minute. So it's above the eight on your keyboard, and it is it basically is Greek for little star. Sometimes in the computer writing community, it's known as a splat. Mostly it's used as a footnote symbol, but it also is one of the things that is on your telephone, if you'll notice that today. Yep, and do you know why that's on the telephone? Tell me. Okay, so the reason that the little asterisk and the number sign are on the phone. The pound sign? Back when they used to have switchboards. Remember the big, giant board where there's a lady or a guy or whatever? They had those things in their houses. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a 24-hour, you know, seven-day-a-week job. Yeah. And when... You would have to... They would have to patch people in. Right, right. Klondike 409. <laughs> when there were two major phone companies, MCI, AT&T, some people had this service, some people had that service. And that was a way to denote which one it was. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember which one is which, but that those two were the major two that everybody used. You would hit that first... And that's how you would know that was MCI service or AT&T service. Well, what happened was during the, during the I believe it was the early 50s, it was mm-hmm. the Bell Labs decided to add those two because you were also changing from the, you were changing from the rotary dial right. to having an actual push-button phone. Mm-hmm. And they were using those to help out and denote with, especially going through the uh, because they used to have pulses they would yeah. have a pulse and then they went to a, a exactly Sling. Sling. yeah every time you hit the, the little mm-hmm. thing yeah so they went from the pulse to actually having a tone dial mm-hmm. and when they had the tone dial the asterisk and the pound sign were used in order to navigate say phone systems and things like that so right but that comes that, was the that comes reason. from the old switchboard system too mm-hmm. it, sort of denoted which one went where. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the asterism, because that is, what is it? It looks like three asterisk in a Like a pyramid, pyramid type shape, like a little alien pyramid shape. Mm-hmm. It looks cool, uh, but the piece of punctuation was used to divide between subchapters in a book and indicated minor breaks in long text. Books typically now use three asterisks in a row to break up within a chapter mm-hmm. or simply skip an extra line, it seems a shame that, you know, this little thing, we, we don't use it anymore. Just kind of went but away. That's, that's what it meant. So we were talking about the other symbol on a phone, and we were calling it the pound sign. Right. Tic-tac-toe. A tic-tac-toe symbol, yeah. It's also known as the octothorpe. Ooh, yes. I know. I love my cephalopods. Yeah, they uh, they decided to call it that at Bell Labs again, and it's it's an homage to I don't even I read about it. It's Cthulhu? an homage to no, it was a guy named Thorpe who wound up losing some of his Olympic medals because he actually was a played arms? baseball in like 1910. He okay. played professional baseball, so he got his medals taken away, and he, he, he really was trying to get the medals back, the, the, the gentleman that worked for Bell Labs. Ah, gotcha, so he gotcha. kind of named it after him, but then obviously the eight 
the eight pieces. And then yeah. there's there's also some talks about a quadrothorpe okay. and a monothorpe. Hmm. And the, the, it's basically, you know, you're talking like an equal sign or something like that. You know, and it was kind of right, like right. a joke, you know, like, so what is a monothorpe? Right. So, you know, is that just a dot, you know, and that kind of thing. So the reason why it was originally called the pound sign, and that's what we've been calling it for a long time. So a pound, as in a weight pound, right. is denoted by LB. Right. Okay. So a lot of the time, how they would write the LB, they would also put a cross through the top. So they would put just a cross line through the top of it. And basically throughout time, it just kind of getting written very quickly. Mm-hmm. It eventually morphed into the pound sign. Okay. So you have the LB and then also the English pound mm-hmm. or the, their money right. that was also known as a pound. And that little, the English pound sign came from the LB as well. So they're all linked to the LB for pound, the pound sign, and then the English pound sign. They're all basically the same sign, three different versions of it for what they morphed and turned into. So I just thought that was kind of neat. Very cool. So one of my absolute favorites, because it is in my sideshow, the Scarred and Dangerous Thrill Show, Mm -hmm. right in the middle there between Scarred and Dangerous, we don't usually actually write out end, we use... And ampersand. That's right. That is absolutely one of my favorite. Now, the ampersand comes from ET. If you like, ouch! No, Elliot. not that not ET. That ET. No, no, not not phone home ET. Oh, they, that the ampersand is not on the phone. <laughs> but one of the cool things that I, that I learned about that it, it's basically an ET, and ET the et basically means end in Latin. Okay. So. When someone says, and, it basically, if you break it down, it's and, per se, and. So... But not and, E-N-D, and, and, A-N-D. Yes. Like, also. And, per se, and. And the reason why it is and, per se, and, is basically, back in the 19th century, you actually had 27 letters to the alphabet. Okay. The 27th letter was the ampersand. It was a letter? Yes. It was considered a letter back in the day. Nice. So what, basically what they would do, you would have X, Y, and Z, and per se, and, or the ampersand. Right. And the reason why you would say per se, basically a letter that could stand on its own like A or I as right. a word, you would say per se. At the beginning of it. Per se, I. So it would be per se, A, or per se, I. And a the ampersand, meaning and, is and per se, and. So basically, children talking quickly, it became the ampersand. Gotcha. So gotcha. that's why we call it the ampersand today. Just huh. a really neat history with that. Huh. So, Joe, what is an interrobang? And yes, I would have used an interrobang at the end of that sentence. Yeah, if we were anime characters or comic book characters, you'd see it next to your head. Mm-hmm. It is a question mark mm-hmm. and an exclamation mark merged together. They're basically superimposed of, uh, under over one another. Right, or under sharing, one another. sharing the same space. Point. Mm-hmm. It is my favorite symbol, and this is actually my nickname back in high school. <laughs> <laughs> So in 1962, a guy named Martin K. Spector, he was basically an ad guy. Any relation to Phil Spector? No, I don't think so. You know, like in Mad Men, though. That's basically what he was. Right. So one of his accounts, he actually had the Wall Street Journal. So Martin Spector, 
He was basically so tired of seeing when someone would punctuate a sentence that was a question and an exclamation at the same time with a question mark and then an exclamation. And he said, we could do better than that. Like, you did what? Yeah, and they would put a question mark and an exclamation and an mark. And he, and he basically was like, we can do better than that. We, we, we can make something. Mm-hmm. So he basically started writing for the, 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 the Wall Street Journal Okay. A few different essays about why the Interrobang should exist. And there was a few different ideas about what they should call it, not mm-hmm. just the Interrobang. It was sometimes called the Exclamation Quest or, you I know. I like that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was some even, like, completely unpronounceable word, <laughs> right. like, like names for it. But they basically settled, settled on the Interrobang. So he decided to use it and you can actually still use it today you can find it on your computer mm. if you use the alt key right and i'm going to have something on the show notes where you can find out how to use basically do almost all these symbols mm-hmm. on your computer depending on what kind of word program you use right, or, right. Or, or or whatnot yeah but he he wrote a whole bunch of different designs for it and he basically settled on the two. And what, what was kind of cool about it, because people were just using typewriters at the time, mm-hmm. what basically you would do is you would put a question mark, then you would backspace at one, and then you would put an exclamation point. Nice. And then it would yeah. it was right very, very simple. Yeah. Right on top of it, and you would be able to use that that same simple. Simple, hmm. simple. Simple, simple, simple. Right. So I love the Interrobang, and no one knows what it is, and... I think everyone should be using this because it, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful punctuation. There's some older ones too. There's uh, Henry Denham mm-hmm. in 1580. He was using uh, the rhetorical question mark, oh. which is basically just a backward question mark. Mm-hmm. He was using a lot of that in his writing uh, for any time that you had a rhetorical question, mm-hmm. and uh, he, that was used all the way up to you know late 1600s, and then in like. 1966, a French author, Javier Bazin, uh, proposed a similar. Like he, he would he would call the the at symbol la petite escargot. Right. <laughs> so he he proposed a few other uh, punctuations punctuations that no one was using, and they're pretty much of his design. Okay. Things like <laughs> the love point. Mm-hmm. It's basically like two question marks facing each other. If they're like two little curly snakes, so they look like a heart. Yeah, it looks like a heart sharing the same. You and know. you would use that in an Bad. exclamation of love. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, that is French, you know what I mean. Uh-huh. So Pepe Le Pew would probably be using that <laughs> exclamation mark a whole lot. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, but basically, any anything that denotes a statement of affection or love. I guess in a big gesture, you do the the hearty mm-hmm. love point thing. Then you've got things like the acclamation point, another Bazin thing. <laughs> thing. Uh, you're so expressive, Joe. <laughs> so an acclamation point basically looks like two exclamation points that are set at what about a 45 degree angle to the point. Yeah, one maybe a little less. One straight up, and one's about about a 45 degree. And it's a stylistic representation of... Wasn't it like the flags two, on dignitaries' cars or something? Yeah, it was like two flags on tour buses when the president came through. Yeah, so it's like on dignitaries' cars, the two flags that stick up. Right, and it demonstrated like goodwill or mm-hmm. welcoming. Um, it makes me think of the V for victory or the I am not a crook. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know? Nixon stuff, yeah. 
Which, yeah, I guess you could acclimate that that statement. <laughs> <laughs> then you've got some some pretty odd looking ones. You've got the uh, certitude point, mm. and it looks basically like a an exclamation point with a little slash through it. So it's like a like a T cross, like, like the yeah, top like, of a T. Like a cross yeah. on on a on a ball. Mm-hmm. It, it's very weird looking, um, and that ended your declaration with certainty, a conviction. Mm-hmm. So when you said something, you know, that is my cookie, you mm-hmm. could use that with conviction. Yeah, because you know it is your cookie. Get your damn hand out of the jar. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was used for those things. Then you've got something like. The doubt point, or the no doubt point. I. <laughs> <laughs> this is when you're walking on spider webs. Right. Okay. <laughs> Screaming phone calls. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> Can we just cut that reference? No, just sure. go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, all right. So the doubt point. It. I can't even describe it. It looks. It looks more like a musical note. Yeah, it looks like a squiggle on top of the dot. Yeah, it is. It it really it looks like somebody fell asleep while they were writing. <laughs> honestly, it definitely does. So what? Uh, is, so Joe, what does the doubt point mean? Exactly. <laughs> very, uh, very astute. Uh, basically, a statement of skepticism. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure about that yeah. doubt point. That's my cookie. No. <laughs> Um, then you have something that's very similar to the certitude point, which is called the authority point. Okay. So it's the exclamation with the cross, but the cross bar is like an upside down frowny face. It's bent. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like a sad, a sad face. And that was to shade your sentences with a note of expertise, like... Uh, I know whose cookie that is. Right, with authority, mm-hmm. you know. Gotcha. Very much like the certitude point, mm-hmm. I think, methinks. But still very interesting to look at. Then you have something that is truly bizarre looking. It's like, it's called a Sark Mark. Okay. Okay. Now imagine... I'm going to say a reference. Like Sark from Machinima? Yes. That is literally for my wife right there. That is the... (laughs) Okay. Go ahead. Okay. So it kind of looks like a a shell, like a a snail shell. Mm -hmm. If you took the at symbol... Turned it the other way and flipped it upside down. Mm-hmm. Take the A out and just leave a dot in the middle. Well, then it's not going to look like le petit escargot. It looks more like escargot than the at symbol does. Yeah, no, it's just it's kind of weird. So, what does the snark mark mean? Uh, basically, it just denotes sarcastic phrases, a sentence or a message mm-hmm. said sarcastically. But then you have something that, similar to that, which is called. The snark mark. Oh, so you have the sark mark and the snark mark. Right. It feels very Dr. Seussian to me. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if the snorks use these. Oh, yeah. Smurf that. <laughs> so the snark mark looks kind of like a schwa mm-hmm. with, a, it's like a sideways exclamation, but instead of it being a straight line, it's this little wavy sort of schwa-esque mm-hmm. line with a... a Dot, an exclamation dot. Yeah, mm-hmm. period. A full stop. That was used to indicate that a sentence should be understood beyond the literal meaning. <laughs> That's all it says. Okay. I don't know where you're going to go with that. Moving on. 
Now we're talking about something else. <laughs> in there, I think there was an exclamation comma. <laughs> exclamation comma. That's right. Exclamation the, commas and question commas. Yeah, those are just ridiculous. They are pretty ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, and those came All about... All it is, it's just you have the dot. Instead of the dot, you have a comma at the end. So right. you, don't, you was, don't have to stop your sentence, but you're still asking a question or exclaiming. Right. And it was a Canadian person who came up with that. And it was actually patented in 92, but then the patent lapsed in 95. So now it's a... a free to use for anything. Anybody can yeah, use it. Yeah, without, you know, fear of being sued for, you know, exclamation, comma, ing, ing, ing. So my act, the scarred and dangerous thrill show, I'm only one half of. The other half is Dangerous D. He's currently living in California, and he's going to call in from time to time to give you his two cents about all of our topics here on The Curioso. Now, all dangers considered, a moment with Dangerous D. I think it's pretty funny that I actually have an interesting story about punctuation, considering it seems to be a topic of discussion mostly by intellectuals, writers, and avid readers. And I am none of those. But I thought this story was one that should be told. I recently met this dude that works as an independent script advisor for different actors in Hollywood. He's basically an acting or script coach who works with the actors one-on-one -on -one for specific roles. I don't remember exactly how the topic of Christopher Walken came up. But just like any time a small group of guys are sitting around drinking late, it did. A few minutes into a round of bad impressions, this dude turns to me and says... You know what Christopher Walken does when he gets a script for a new role? He has an assistant remove all the punctuation from the entire manuscript before he even reads it. Then he recites the words in his own inflection. That's why he sounds like that. Dangerous D. Over and out. So there's also a few things that I wanted to discuss that are not actual punctuations, but just having to do with punctuations. And the first person that I wanted to mention was Lord Timothy Dexter. Okay. Now, we had talked about him a little bit before, mm -hmm. and I had mentioned his name, and you said, oh, what did he do? And I said, I am saving this for the podcast because right. this is too good. <laughs> so he was a self-styled lord. He wasn't actually a lord. He decided I, so to just... Called, yeah, Lord, Lord. Lord Joseph Taylor. That's of right. The manor. Mm -hmm. So he was a self-styled lord. He wasn't actually a lord, but he just basically said that he was. I didn't know that you could do that, but <laughs> apparently you can. That's so, pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. So he lived in New England in America, and he, he, he did a lot of things, but here's basically where it got a little crazy, okay? At the age of 50, he wrote a book about himself, okay, <laughs> called... A Pickle for the Knowing Ones, or Plain Truth in a Homespun Dress. Hmm. Yeah, okay, I never read it. I'll be absolutely honest with you. But what I love about old books is they have the two different titles. They're like, oh, it's called this, or maybe it's called that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it seems very, like, David Lynchian, you know, mm -hmm. Twin Peaks, Firewalk With Me. Yeah. But which just, one is it? We'll call it this or we'll call it that. But basically what happened was 
he couldn't really sell any of these books during yeah, his first copy. Yeah, the title copy. took up the entire page. I know. but So he couldn't really sell any of them. And then he started basically giving away for free. Mm-hmm. So he started giving them out to all his friends and relatives and all the people around town. Used for kindling. Mm-hmm. And no, actually what happened, it started <laughs> becoming a little bit popular after the first printing. Mm-hmm. But what the problem was with the first printing is he had absolutely no punctuation marks Sweet. in it whatsoever. He yeah. did not have any questions, any commas, and just total run-on sentence. Yes, one run-on sentence. <laughs> one three hundred yeah. page run-on sentence. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, he, you know, it, it the book contained eight eight thousand eight hundred forty-seven words, three thousand wow. three hundred. Uh, I'm sorry, thirty-three thousand eight hundred sixty-four letters, but no punctuation, wow. and capitalization was completely random. So, but that's like me. Yeah, it's like I me know. writing. Just, <laughs> I'm going to put a capital L right in the middle of this word. So the, here's the cool thing. He actually wound up coming out with eight separate editions of this. Now, okay. after the after the first, because it became popular. Right. After the first edition, he after giving it away, the first edition, he went to, back to the printer, printed out the second edition. When he printed out the second edition, everyone had complained so much that there was no punctuation mm-hmm. that he made an entire page at the very back consisting of 13 lines of punctuation, and he instructed everyone to distribute them as they saw fit. <laughs> that is awesome. So That's put like the, the first Mad Libs, yeah. but with punctuation. <laughs> put them where you want. Put them wherever you want. <laughs> put them wherever you want. So I just I just think that he's an amazing character, but that's not where his story ends. So okay. uh, later on, it was... Uh, <laughs> later on, he decided to fake his own death. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he decided to... F- I, I just... This has nothing to do with punctuation besides the fact that it has to do with him. Right. So later, he decided to fake his own death. He didn't even tell his wife. His wife came to his funeral. Over 3,000 people attended his funeral. Then, during the funeral, he was watching his wife. He... I, apparent, I'm guessing he dressed as someone else or in the back or, or whatever. Thought his wife was not grieving enough or crying enough and popped out and beat her senseless because she was not grieving enough. Wow. Exclamation point. Exactly. So uh, eventually he did die in 1806, but I just thought he was, he's definitely a crazy person. He'll definitely be on the show. (laughs) That is awesome. (laughs) So we were talking about how Lord Timothy Dexter didn't use any punctuation Mm -hmm. at all in his book. There's another story written that I was, that I read uh, quite a long time ago, but my friend Janice, actually our friend Janice, yeah, yeah, Janice. gave me a book by Steve Martin called Pure Drivel. Okay. And in it, it's basically essays and different things. And I found the entire, the entire essay on uh, the, the New Yorker. Okay. So I don't know whether he wrote it for them originally or what, but mm. it's compiled in Pure Drivel. It's basically called Times Roman Font, announces shortage of periods. <laughs> so he goes on and on about how the, the there's a period shortage, right. and he talks about how he has an ellipsis and he has to break the ellipsis up, and he's and you know he's like that's not actually a period at the end of the sentence; it's one third of an ellipsis. And he goes on and on and on, and he find I don't I don't want to ruin it for you, right. but it, it's absolutely hilarious, and it's mm. going to be on the show notes, so you're definitely going to have to read that one. Cool. But yeah, that's when I found out that Steve Martin was a comic genius because right, right. you know at, until then I just. You know, I was like, yeah, he was okay on Saturday Night Live. You he know, was that the kind jerk. Of yeah, exactly, it's, the jerk, yeah. you know. 
But it wasn't until I started like reading his his books, and then I eventually found out he plays banjo and listening to some of his right. music. Right, a little more respect came his way from you. Yeah, right. a- absolutely. But I, I just think he's an amazing person. So yeah, yeah, that's going to be on there, and you should definitely read that. So another person that I really just absolutely love, Joe. Do you ever read the Oatmeal? Like the box. No, not the like the quick. You know, by the way, I should just think I should mention this. <laughs> so, a lot of people have told me growing up that I look like the Quaker oatmeal guy. Wait, the Ed Wilford Brimley? No, not he, no. It's actually he <laughs> is actually the Quaker oatmeal guy. We have very much the same face. Yeah. But uh, anyway, that's not who I'm talking about. The oatmeal is a comic. Well, he's not a comic like stand-up comic. He writes web comics. Okay. So he has a lot of stuff online, and you should really check it out. One of my favorite things, he has the top 10 words you need to stop misspelling. You know, when he talks about lose and loose and, you know. Two, two, and two. Yeah, there, there, and there. Weird, uh, the difference between weird and wired. Right. So he basically goes on and he talks about your and your, you know, it's and it's. You know, so, but he also talks about punctuation. But one of my favorites, he, it's basically how to use a semicolon. (laughs) <laughs> and in it, he has the semicolon gorilla, which is one of my absolute favorites. And you're going to have to check that out. We'll have those on the show notes, too. He says that the semicolon is one of the most feared punctuations on the planet. Feared, eh? Yes, feared. Using a semicolon isn't hard. Semicolon. <laughs> I once saw a party gorilla do it. <laughs> so you got to check this out. You know, And he sells like posters and things like that, all right, that stuff. Right. So, Joe, do you know anybody that only speaks in punctuation? I do! Exclamation. And who's that? No, I don't. I don't know anybody. I do know somebody, and well, okay, I don't know him, but I played him a lot. I put a lot of quarters in his (laughs) machine when I was a kid, and that's Cuber. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Cuber. One of the cool things, Cuber was released in October of 1982. Mm. And basically... What it was is he had so not only is Kubert a you know a comic book character that only speaks in punctuation, he also right. has an asterisk in his name. It's Q asterisk Bert. Right is his actual name. So mm-hmm. in his language, apparently that's I don't know what that stands for. But. Well, at the time when they were doing the programming for that, mm-hmm. they were trying to give him um, the some sort of vocal. Something, yeah, but the programming and the boards they, they couldn't handle doing all that at once. But what they could do was the basic sounds and give him the little, you know, thought bubble or whatever the speech bubble, mm-hmm. and it just it stuck, they, it worked. And the, the name they had this big, you know, uh, dry erase board or something, and they were trying to figure out a name for the character or mm-hmm. the game itself. And it went through a couple different divisions and, you know, revisions and stuff like that. And they had, like, Quill something and Bert something and this and just names all over the place. And someone just happened to just put the two together. Put the two together. And it was, like, perfect. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it and Kubert was born. Yeah. So one of the cool things about Kubert is they actually took the knock 
the 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 knock. I mean, that's all it's called. It's called the knock, and it's mm -hmm. the same thing that's in a pinball machine. Yeah. So if you like tilt or you hit something, you right. get this little arm that goes, you know, on the side of the machine. Yeah. Well, they actually have that in Cubert. So when he falls off of the pyramid. Because obviously, Kubert, you know, you jump around on the pyramid mm -hmm. and you have to change the different colors and run from the snakes and do all these different things. Mm -hmm. When you fell off the pyramid, it would hit the side of the machine, you know, right. and it's kind of scare you. And that was one of the cool things. But not only that, but when he got hit by it, the ball would drop on his head or you would you would run into one of the snakes. Kubert yeah. would pop up and it would be all these exclamation points. Right. And it would be like the at symbol and the asterisks and... The, the pound sign and a question mark, and it basically seemed like Kubert was cussing. Oh yeah, that was one of the reasons why I loved that game. That was why everyone thought that Kubert was the coolest game, mm -hmm. because you actually had a cartoon character that you could play that was cussing. Yeah. That was like that was like the coolest thing back in the day. Yeah, you always got a couple of giggles from people like, hee hee, oh no. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was awesome. Such a fun game. All right, so I wanted to talk about a new symbol there is a guy, he's an Australian guy, his name is Paul Mathis. Okay. He thinks that he's invented the 27th letter, but if he actually knew what he was talking about, it would probably be the 28th letter because we already know that the ampersand is the 27th. Right. But basically he has a symbol that looks like a T with an H as well attached. Okay. And what he wants to call this is it's going to be the symbol. The the symbol. Okay. So he knows that, you know, as pretty much everyone knows, the is the most commonly used word in the English language. Right. So basically he wants to create the the symbol so that we can use that just like we use the ampersand. Okay. For and. Three little letters. No, you're absolutely right. But he wants to create it, and apparently it's only going to cost him about uh, $38,000 to develop it and add it to the modern the modern yeah so basically it's like he's going to try and get it on the iPhone and get it on get it on keyboards uh, okay maybe it's just me but i really dislike this sort of like um, shortening of words and just like the shorthand whatever it's my fave well, okay. Exclamation. I understand, I understand that. But I kind of like the the. You just, you know, what I think is really funny is like the T-E-H. -T mm -hmm. A lot of people like mix it up and put T-E-H and it's become right. like a meme and things -E -E. like that. T-H-E-E. Yeah, yeah. But I, yeah. Oh, the. <laughs> oh. The. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, but I kind of like the idea of the the symbol. The yeah. the, 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 the symbol. The, 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 yeah. Something like Porky Pig. Uh. <laughs> But that, I mean, it could be interesting. Could be interesting, but you know. Uh, well, we already have the ampersand. I know, but that's so been around for a long time. It absolutely has, and yeah. it, it, I'll be honest with you. If you take a look at it, it kind of looks like something that should be on the periodic table of elements. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. I can see that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, do you know anyone who's just gone by a symbol? Um, think of anyone, anyone in particular. Um, Maybe they like the color purple. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but Darren's in Colorado. Yeah, I'm we're not we're not talking about dangers. Uh, dangers <laughs> D, the uh, the uh, my my sideshow partner. Right. No, actually Prince. Yes, as yes. we all know, a little bit COVID. <laughs> as we all know, at one point in time, he Prince, had a real name. He did have a real name, 
1993, Prince was fed up with his label Warner Brothers. Right. And he was still under contract to produce a few CDs with them. Mm -hmm. But he couldn't get out of his contract. But what he decided to do was to change his name to an unpronounceable (laughs) symbol. Basically to screw with them. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So he continued to put out albums, but he put it out just... As the symbol. As the symbol, which basically looks like... It looks like the Mars and Venus, like the the man and woman together, together, yeah, and then combined. also I've heard that some people say that it looks like the the uh, alchemist version of Moonstone. Okay. So it's like the alchemist symbol for Moonstone. So it kind of looks like right. all three of those kind of mixed together, mixed, mismatched together. And of course, right. you know, he he had it sewn onto the lot of back of his jackets and he started yep. making different, you know, guitars out of this shape. So he still uses it in a lot of his motifs and things like yeah. that. Yeah, of course. And I've also read I've read into this quite a bit. In some of his music he actually uses kind of alchemical themes where he talks about okay. gold and then he has diamonds and pearls and different things and he just he he you know, he talks about you know, different alchemical. I mean, I'm not saying that he's an alchemist, <laughs> right? But it is possible. True. So yeah, I just yeah. thought that was really cool. And, but I mean, hey, you know, there's plenty of, of groups out there that have had to change their name or whatever because they can't get out of certain contracts. It's a really interesting way to do it, mm-hmm. you know. And then eventually, you know, they started calling him the artist formerly known as Prince. And they changed it back, didn't? Yeah, he, he eventually yeah. did change yeah. it back. So. Mm. So, you know, it was a phase. (laughs) (laughs) So, going through different punctuation and all this research that we've been doing, I came across a page on collegehumor.com. Yeah, yeah, I saw it too. Yeah, and they talk about punctuation marks that we actually need. So, they have the (laughs) I'm not angry mark. So, (laughs) so... It basically looks like a smiley face. So, right. you know, you know, you you text someone, hey, we need to talk. You put the little smiley face the mark at the emoticons. end. Yeah, it's, you know, basically like an emoticon. And so the idea is, oh, yeah, we need to talk. But, it, you know, it's not serious. We just need to talk. I'm not I'm not being angry. So they're, they're trying to take the sort of modern texting uh, emoticons and interject them into written... Stuff, the written like, word, but I don't think that they're actually serious. But yeah, they're, they're I know, saying it's that these, just jokes and You know, stuff. you have different things like the sinceroid, which is <laughs> like a period but has a line underneath, and that's that's so when you're being sincere. So you're like, oh, I really like your sweater. Mm. And it sounds like it's sarcastic, but no, 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 I'm being absolutely serious. Right, it's not a sark mark, it's a sinceroid. And then you have the opposite, that which is the, the, the sarcastices, which reminded me of the snark <laughs> yeah, mark yeah. and the sark mark. Which, you know, so you're, you know, so you know that you're being sarcastic. But one of my absolute favorites is called the hemi-demi-semicolon. <laughs> right. And it looks like basically a colon on top of, on top of uh, two, you know, it's got, a, it's got a colon on top of a semicolon. Mm-hmm. And basically, like, you can use this wherever you want. You want to use it for a period or a comma or right. whatever. Insert just, where needed. Just, yes. And in <laughs> fact, I think Lord Timothy Dexter would have loved this. Yeah. He could just use it whenever he wanted to. <laughs> probably be the only one he would use. Yeah, exactly. And then add an exclamation on the top of it. That's sure. <laughs> Solves all problems. And then you also have the... And or percent, not the ampersand. The and or. The and or percent. Right. A lot of people don't like the idea of using and slash or. Mm-hmm. Just like a lot of people don't like the he slash she, and there's he, been a she. lot of, yeah, they've, you know, 
there's been a lot of people that have tried to change that over the so you would just have a non-sex word but so you have and slash or you would use the and or percent for <laughs> and slash or instead of you having you writing that and it looks like like Mickey Mouse yeah it looks that's what it yeah. looks like yeah it's like if Mickey Mouse's little head and his ears were plopped down on the side of a concrete slab you know you ha oh, hey you know it's that just it's very ridiculous looking so this is my absolute favorite and it's the last one on the list and it's called the Morgan Freemark. Yeah, that's <laughs> the best one. It is absolutely, and it wants to. It, basically, you use the Morgan Freemark to remind people <laughs> that you can read something in anyone's in anyone's voice that you want to. So you might as well read it in Morgan Freeman's voice. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I want to talk about Victor Borg and more modern people like Seamus Kennedy. Okay. They did a bit which was called phonetic punctuation. Now, Victor Borg was big comedian musician in the 70s, mm-hmm. and he used to do this, this bit where he would read from a book, and he gave all the punctuation marks uh, sounds, basically. Okay. Well, and he did some hand gestures and stuff, too, to kind of emphasize what they were. So, you know, you say something, and then the period is... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then the question marks was like, um, but he had this whole bit, and it was hilarious. And then more recently, uh, last year, I saw an Irish comedian slash musician mm-hmm. named Seamus Kennedy, and I saw him down in Annapolis, Maryland, and uh, he does the same kind of bit as an homage. He even says, you know, I'm doing an old Victor Borg bit mixed with uh, some other stuff to kind of give my own flair to it but it, it's it's an amazing bit because it's half visual mm-hmm. half half of you have to think about because you're you know you're like uh, what you know, just because you're you're so used to seeing uh that on, on the written page mm-hmm. so hearing it with an audible sound as sort of to to make the pause the emphasis it, it's brilliant it's, it's a great bit and i actually mm-hmm. found a youtube video and i have that on the show notes too yeah. so you can check that out so ladies and gentlemen there's punctuation for you. Exclamation. <laughs> I did. I felt like that was really more of a period or a full stop. Full stop, yeah. Full stop, yeah. It felt like that. Yeah. How about we do it in a exclamation? Uh, snark mark. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, there is exclamation for you. And by the way, stop using five or six exclamation marks when you, when you <laughs> tweet or text us because right. that is just ridiculous. That's One is much. absolutely sufficient. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, so thank you for joining us at the Curioso. I'm Christopher Scarborough. And I'm Joe Taylor. Exclamation, entero bang, snark mark, asterism. Just because I want to throw them in there. Entero bang. <laughs> That's my asterism. God, I love the Intero Bang. I love the Intero Bang so much. Yeah, I think do. I'm going to get an Intero Bang tattoo. That would be pretty awesome. Yeah, I yeah. think I think I'm going to have to. All right, I'm going to get a snark mark. Sounds good. All right. <laughs> Talk to you guys later. Hey. 
hey, is there any topics that you want us to cover? Anything that you want to talk to us about or let us know about? Email us, feedback at thecurioso.com. Our Facebook, facebook.com backslash thecuriosopodcast. We tweet at curiosopodcast. And if you have any five-star reviews you'd like to give us on iTunes, please feel free.